This is Dish and Dirt with Gary Pickren, South Carolina's only podcast dedicated to the real estate agent craft. And now the host of Dish and Dirt, Gary Pickren. And greens, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Dish and Dirt. I'm your often opinionated but rarely wrong host, Gary Pickering, coming to you from the beautiful confines of Blair Cato Pickering Castellan in downtown Columbia. This is the leap year edition of the show because today is February 29th. I always release these on Thursday, so it technically would be the fifth week of February, or we could call it the first week of March. Probably what we'll call it the first week of March. So last week we had Tom Conkright on our show to talk about wire fraud. And we labeled it the most important real estate podcast you would listen to this year. And I can tell from the download numbers that most of y'all believe that because we have had tremendous amount of downloads the last week. And I've had a lot of you come into closings and telling me that that podcast literally scared the crap out of you. Well, Tom's back this week to continue scaring you because he's going to talk about other examples of wire frauds involving payoffs and the vacant land schemes that are going around. And it will continue to scare you. So with this podcast this week, what we hope is that you can learn about these schemes and how to protect yourself. So let's go ahead and jump right back in here with Tom. We don't want to waste another minute on letting Tom tell us what we need to know about wire fraud. Seller impersonation. Let me touch on that. Seller impersonation is interesting because you don't have to breach a single email account. You don't need a single phishing email. They'll go into the county public records. They'll look at how the county identifies uniquely vacant versus improved property. So it'll either say vacant, it'll say unimproved. There's a zoning code there, right? Then they go to the taxing authority, the city or the township, see where the tax bill is being sent. And you can say, oh, here's Gary. He's got a vacant land in the greater Atlanta area or in South Carolina or wherever. And I see he's out of state. Let's go into the dark web. Let's grab all his credentials. And the money mule then will be will be the, the photo on the ID. But Gary, everything else on the driver's license reads as if this is you. Now call the listing agent. Hey, I got this property in Gary, you're in South Carolina, right? You're right. You're right. I'm in South Carolina and um, I've got some medical issue. I'm in Texas right now at some treatment center and I need to sell this because my insurance doesn't cover. This is an actual excuse that came up recently. Uh, my insurance doesn't cover this and I need to liquidate some assets uh, because I need this advanced treatment. So could you list this for me? Yep. Send me your ID. No problem. So you send me your ID. It looks like it's come from, you know, Gary P2 at Gmail. They list it, put it under contract. It closes typically within 17 days, vacant land because they're unencumbered. And then they say, okay, we're ready to close, Gary. No problem. And then they'll ask for a mail away closing. The, the mule will sit in front of a notary at a coffee shop or in someone's office. And again, I'm just handing you an ID. What do I know, right? Looks totally legitimate. And then the mail away goes back to the escrow company or the law firm, and then the wire goes to the bad actor. Rinse, repeat. We had almost 40 cases in West Michigan where I'm sitting right now alone of this last year. And I had three cases came in this week alone. Try to do it to us Yep. Um, in Lexington County. And when my attorney doing the closing said something doesn't look right about this and put a halt to it, the real estate agent, the listing agent had her boss call me, her broker, and say that my agent said, y'all are holding the transaction up. I'm yeah. like, yeah, we are. We're trying we to are. stop it from being a fraud. And, and the agent was pissed off at Blair Cato for interfering with her transaction. Well, it turned out not only was that one fraud because it was a vacant land. When I mentioned this on, uh, on a uh, legal tip that I put out, Four different real estate agents sent me the same email, the same driver's license. And goes, you mean these people? 
Yeah. All four of them, same picture, different names, different information. Yep. No, I'll, I'll say this. I'll getting. say it's a plug to you and a plug to everybody using certified because we use it in our title agency. Everyone has to assume that the seller that is soliciting for a listing on vacant land is not the actual seller until identity has been properly confirmed. Period. Hard stop. You, you, you just can't do it. Right. And you've got the technology with certified and your other best practices that are able to do that on the front end until we get, you know, the risk profile when you get these things down into the back end just get, becomes too high. And for realtors, they also have forewarned, which is a very good product where they can enter the telephone number into that product and it will tell them who that telephone number belongs to and all the information. So when the telephone number doesn't belong to the seller listed on the property, that should be a red flag. I mean, it's not yeah, coming or, up for that or, person. Or if for, guys, if forewarned says no record found, that is a burner phone. Yes, the burner that phone. That is a pay-for-use burner phone that they got at a 7-Eleven or some, you know, grocery store. That's just, that, that is... That is what that means. That is not a a error that's coming back in forewarn. So tell me the third fraud. Because you said we had three types. That's two. Mortgage payoff fraud. All right. Tell us about that one. Mortgage payoff fraud is the highest incident of fraud um, as far as the the frequency. So we see more frequency of mortgage payoff fraud on the disbursement side, the, the fraud that really catches the law firms and the title companies. From a direct hit, um, and the consumer side is the is the buyer fraud. That's the cash to close fraud. So, what's interesting about mortgage payoff fraud is it has the longest tail of notice. So, when you talk about claims tails or risk tails in insurance, a tail is what's the gap between you know coverage and some incident, right? And the problem with mortgage payoff fraud is you typically learn about it when. When the seller that sold the house gets a late payment notice 30 to 45 days after closing and the money's been sent, you know, call it the day of or day after closing and the ability, I'm not saying it's impossible, nothing's impossible, but the probability of recovery there is very, very low. And that's a hot mess because now we've got insurance, we've got, you know, another lien holder that came in with purchase money funds. Uh, even a CPL, maybe overlay commitment on those new monies, and it's a it's a big problem, and that that's going to fall squarely within um, you know the purview of the title company or the law firm that didn't properly verify. And their sophistication, look, guys, it'll say it's going to XYZ you know mortgage servicer XYZ bank. They may even open account within the bank for which the original mortgage payoff was being sent. So the ABA is a dead match and the bank name and financial institution is a dead match. And all they're doing is changing the account number. Big problem. Mm. Yeah. Well, so certified created a, a specific payoff protect, we call it fully insured instant response on, on mortgage payoffs. And we just, yeah. We just identified and helped stop a multi-million dollar mortgage payoff in your state about 45 days ago between wow. two law firms. Well, now that you have scared the living shit out of everybody on this podcast, and there's no other word to use but that, um, <laughs> because now I'm thinking, do I even want to practice law anymore? And I know there's some real estate agents out there right now going, why am I in this business? Let's talk solutions. I want to know yeah. about, we're going to talk about law enforcement first. I want to talk about what certifies do in second, and then I want to know what the agents can do to protect themselves. So let's start with law enforcement. 
it doesn't seem to me that the banks or the law enforcement are doing a damn thing to help us on this. Am I misreading that? No, I I think they genuinely want to. I, I think the challenge is there's there's two there's two ways that law enforcement can help. One way is can you get my money back? Because that's all I really want, right? I've been a victim and I want this car accident not to have happened. So could you just back this thing up and get me back to center? And then the other is, could you find out who did this and make sure that they don't harm? That's a pay it forward, right? Because prosecution is a pay it forward. And, And both of these are challenging at the state level because by definition, you could have some local police officer, and, and I, I credit these guys for the work that they do, but in this space, by definition, it is going to cross jurisdictional lines, and they're not going to have jurisdiction what will be an instant federal case. Right. Under the Uniform Commercial Code. and every, I mean, the minute that it moves from the bank in you know South Carolina up to Michigan, that's just going to be a really hard lift for the state attorney general's office to sign off in South Carolina saying, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to claim jurisdiction and be able to extradite somebody down here on a state case. Right. So then it becomes a federal wire fraud case. And again, they're inundated with so many of these that yes, federal law enforcement could help identify and notify the receiving bank that something was wrong. Right. And that could be the difference between a full or partial recovery and a total loss. But you have to have connections to federal law enforcement beforehand, and you actually have to sit down with your bank and understand, do you know how to notify a receiving bank and run through what they call the kill chain to make sure that the account is identified and funds don't e- funds are either frozen or the account dams up and I can get money back. And then you have an indemnity and a hold harmless and all that stuff on the back end to actually get your money back. Well, so, why, why doesn't the banks just require... If I'm wiring, wiring funds to Tom, it seems to me the account should say Tom. Yeah. If I'm wiring yeah. funds to Tom, and they, but they've given me wiring instructions and an account name is in the name of Bob, sure. it should be a red flag. And the bank should say, wait a minute, your beneficiary for this wire is Tom. We're not sending it through. But, but they, they don't seem to do that. And, and it seems to me if they make, made the account match with the intended payee, then that would stop it. But is that not true? Um, it's it's not true. It's called pay e-match. I mean, you're right on, Gary. And I believe that would slow the funnel down uh, in a lot of ways. I do. I th- I think pay e-match would solve a tremendous amount of what what is happening out there. But it wouldn't solve all of it. So we had a case on a seller impersonation where um, because they had the identity of they had mocked up the identity of the seller. They actually walked into a bank and opened up an account under the actual owner's name. So you would have done a payee match and it would have said, yep, that's Gary. And here was a Michigan property. And this bad actor, this money mule was in Louisiana and opened up an account in the Louisiana Community Bank. Or think about LLCs. Gary, let's say you own ABC Holding Company in South Carolina. Before in 10 minutes, I could have a Michigan LLC with an FIN number and an operating agreement to send you. And I could open with all that. I can open up an online bank account probably in 15 minutes. So I'm not arguing the point. I'm just saying that all of this comes down to, in my opinion, how are we thinking about identity verification? 
not just looking at an identity document and saying, okay, this is the absolute truth. This piece of plastic, you know, this passport, whatever it is, says that I'm Gary. Because the, the crazy thing about closings is you got one stranger meeting another stranger and they're going to contract for the biggest asset of their life. And they're going to spend what on a sell side 10 minutes together and on a fully loaded buy side with an FHA mortgage or a VA with all the addendums, maybe 45 minutes to an hour if they're a reader. You see what I'm saying? It just, but the time that we actually spend verifying identity is probably less than two minutes, even with the filling out of a personal authorization in the Patriot Act form and 1099S. We just don't do it. We don't do it. All right. So, so let, let's, so. I want to, we're in solution right. mode, right? So we're in solution mode. Give me something. We're in solution mode. Proactively have a conversation with your bank and an incident response plan that if you're notified as a real estate agent that your buyer has lost funds, that you can give them a roadmap of what to do. If you're listening to this and you have an escrow account, you have an IOLTA account, you're taking in funds in trust, you have to have a conversation with your financial institution on what would happen if like run the play and have a step-by-step protocol with somebody identified internally and then have a relationship with local secret service field office or FBI field office, or at least a county or state level that they understand how to work and have contacts directly with fraud investigation teams. What can the real estate agents do with their emails? Cause everybody has Gmail and Google email, which my 15 year old daughter could hack with her iPhone. What do they need to do in there to stop their when they're listing a property from getting hacked? They don't even know they're being hacked. No, I know. Um, first, you got to go into the email settings. You got to go into rules and settings, and you have to make sure you haven't already been hacked. So you need to look at what are called forwarding rules, and then there will be an access log. You can find your way through it, but you can see an access log if somebody other than yourself has accessed your email. So we've seen cases where you know, after the wire fraud, we get screenshots of email accounts. And sure enough, somebody's been at, you know, they've been accessing from, you know, the Asia Pac region or South America or Western Africa for a period of weeks. So one, is there somebody in account? If you see a forwarding rule set up with an email account attached to it, your emails are being forwarded. If you see an auto delete rule with a box checked, your email has been tampered with some way, right? If you see an email filter, and all these are on the back end settings where somebody has put in words like whatever, wire, transfer, the dollar sign, cash to close, closing obligation, that means your your emails are being filtered and somebody is monitoring those. So let's say, and if they are, then you need to disable all of those boxes, right? Kick this guy out of the account. Then you need to use a complex password manager to reset your password and you have to enable multi-factor authentication. I'll say that again. Multi-factor authentication is a secondary and crucial layer on every account, guys. Gmail, your enterprise account, your Netflix, your Snap, your Insta, your X, it doesn't matter. Like you should have it on absolutely everything. And what that does is even if the bad actor has a username and password that they bought on the dark web, the multi-factor code actually goes typically to your phone through SMS or a token through Authenticator or another app where they can't get that last line of defense or that last mile of security is MFA. You have to have it turned on. If you don't have MFA turned on in this world and you're hacked and you have a consumer that loses their life savings, that is 
that is not good. That is not good. There is some standard of liability that is going to hang you on that. And we're just figuring out. And it goes back to who's less sympathetic, your client or you. And we already know that real estate agents, lawyers, and used car salesmen are the three most disliked professions. It just is. And so it's going to be almost impossible to find somebody less uh, sympathetic than you, other than maybe Alex Murdoch. I mean, other than that, everybody else is going to be more sympathetic. So, I mean, we're, we're going to get hit as real estate agents if we're not doing what we're supposed to, to to protect our clients. So as we end here today, tell us about certified. We are big fans of certified. We are big users of certified. In fact, I think we were probably one of your first uh, users here in, in, the, in the Carolinas. Tell us and tell our, our real estate agents what certified does and how Blair Cato using certified is protecting them as well. Uh, certified provides that identity verification layer that we were talking about, and we do it through uh, a very unique and patented process where we can determine that the device that Blair Cato is connecting with is a trusted device, is here in the U.S., and is connected to someone's identity, your buyer, your seller, um, the mortgage company. I'll get to payoffs in a second. And then what it does is it proofs the individual identity. So first we start to say, hey, can, can we trust this device that Certified is connecting with by way of Blair Cato, protecting you as an agent or you as a broker or the buyers or sellers that are being represented? And then we'll proof the identity through some questions and some unique things that we will place in front of that individual that only they would know. And then we use a token. We talked about tokenization or MFA. We use a token to kind of bind this trusted device with this person in real time. And once that happens, it allows the opening, the direct sending and receiving of wire information that leads to a safe transfer. So Gary, if I'm sending you, I'm Blair Cato, you're Blair Cato and I'm the buyer, right? You're using certified to verify, yeah, it's Tom. And I know I'm sending Tom the right information for Blair Cato's uh, trust account. And then you get the benefit of me saying, you know what, Gary, I received these. And I agree only to follow these. And why is that important? Because the standard isn't that you have to drive me to the bank or that you have to be over my shoulder when I initiate through online banking. The standard is that you informed, you engaged, and you got my agreement that says, you know what, we're doing something important here. And and Tom, just acknowledge that you understand this and that you've received and only agree to follow these. And we've had situations where people do get tricked at the last minute, but using the proof points that we've created, we're not writing a check. We're protecting the agent. We're protecting the law firm, the user of certified, because there are those edge cases where consumers will do what consumers do. Was I really paying attention or am I just going through it as fast as possible? Right. On the seller side, now we have to get the money safely out to the seller. We got to protect the agent commissions. Same thing. Now you're verifying the bank information that's been received for the outbound wire. So we'll verify trusted device. It is actually the individual. We load up and match the AB number. We display that. And then we confirm that, hey, we get the actual confirmation. Now that I know it's you, you're authorizing me to send money to this account based on this closing. Right. And if in the mortgage payoff thing, the mortgage payoff is we instantaneously validate mortgage payoffs in real time. And if it's off the one I was referring to you in South Carolina, we instantly flagged that as fraud. We knew it was fraud because three weeks three weeks prior, there was a gentleman on the West Coast that had been defrauded out of $460,000 and asked us to recover. And the money was going into the same account on the mortgage payoff in South Carolina. All of this is connected. 
all of it. Insane. It's unbelievable. Yeah, let's like say we do a series on it, right? Um, so the fact that Blair Cato and the one thing that we have that no one else in the United States has is we actually directly insure every wire up to a million dollars. Period. That's insane. Fraud recovery services team. We got a layer of direct insurance that nobody can actually get. That's backed by our partners in Lloyd and some of the largest syndicates. And because of the way our technology works, they were able to underwrite something, right? Can't underwrite the social engineering garbage that's happening in everybody's inbox. But boy, the way you guys are proofing identity and machine ID and the account authentication will back that, right? So outstanding. there isn't anything, there isn't anything close. The other thing that I would say, though, that Blair is doing is education. So we don't think, and I don't think I'll ever believe, there's a silver bullet to prevent wire fraud, or we've seen the worst of what we've seen in social engineering because of AI. There was a whole deep fake article that was issued earlier this week where this guy in the finance department, I don't know if you heard about this, joined a Teams call. The CFO and three other members of the finance department were on there. They were all deep faked in real time, all communicating in real time, and sent almost a $30 million wire out. And no one was real. So we are entering a world where AI is going to insert itself. Gary, I could mock up your voice. I could take 10 seconds of this podcast, mock up your voice, and make it say anything that I want to say, and it would take me less than 60 seconds. And, and these are subscriptions for like 10 bucks a month. Anybody right? can do this. Anybody can do this, right? I can spoof a phone call. I could make, make it seem like, you know, anybody from the law firm, you know, Cynthia's calling you. And you'd hold up your phone. It's like, oh, looks like I'm going to get a call from her. No, you're not. It's me spoofing her phone number. So education and awareness. And I do believe there's a win point. There's a right to win when cybersecurity and protecting the data and protecting of the funds from the consumer and the transaction should be a point that a listing agent or a selling agent can differentiate themselves. Hey, I partner with Blair Cato. They've made the investment. They identify the risk and they're uniquely helping us manage it because there's a lot of risk out there. And it's not the boogeyman risk. Like this is real risk. And they would be, I think, set apart from their peers if it's a competitive listing situation where they're saying, well, yeah, but that that person didn't even talk about this thing about wire fraud. Like, hey, it's great that you can help me stage the house, but if I lose my life savings or I never get the net to repurchase, like, isn't that worse? What does it matter? Yeah, what does it matter? <laughs> it doesn't matter. So I think the education, the technology, you know, you guys have a culture of just being on the forefront of security. I've known the team for so long and I, I'm not pandering to you because you're I'm on here, but I, I actually mean that. <laughs> well, guys, I think so that, what we've learned is we cannot let our guard down. We know that Certified is a phenomenal product, but as real estate agents, you've got to have these serious conversations with your clients. When you enter into agency, don't wait till the day before closing to start talking about wire fraud because they are hitting you well before well before closing. So you need to start having these conversations and let your clients know if they're not dealing with Blair Cater through certified, if they're getting emails, they're getting uh, anything saying that here's the wiring instructions, it's fraud. And all of our stuff always goes through 100% certified. We don't change our wiring instructions. So go ahead and start talking to your clients. You're not going to get wiring instructions from an email. You're not going to have the, the law firm call and you go, oh, we changed our, our, e our wiring instructions. That does not happen. And thinking about it, if you think, well, that's not my problem. That's Blair Cato's problem. That's the law firm's problem. Tom, 100% just showed you how it is your problem because they're going to find who's got the money to pay them back and they're going to sue us all. So protect yourself.
as best you can. Tom, couldn't say, I couldn't say it any better, Gary. Drop, drop, turn the mic off. Right <laughs> drop the mic right there. Well, Tom, this has been um, scary, uh, enlightening, um, and at the same time, a little bit hopeful that we know we have good companies like Certified. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about your company. Um, we would never uh, do a transaction without Certified being our partner in it. So we are very excited. If people want to learn a little bit more about Certified, where do they go? How do they find you? What can they do? Yep. You can find me on LinkedIn, um, Tom Cronkright. Certified is C-E-R-T-I-F-I-D.com. And we've got a bunch of information, guys. If you want skins on wire fraud protection, you want to listen to some victims that we've helped recover. If somebody says, ah, oh, wire fraud, Schmeyer fraud, you know what? Listen to this video because it's not that. Um, but no, we'd love to engage and interact. And and again, I think there's two types of companies and two types of agents, those that have experienced this and those that are about to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Blair Cato is making sure that um, you are not going to experience this. You guys are going to be protected and finding ways, again, to change how you're approaching market with this as a, this is the number one issue in real estate. And you should be able to say confidently in market that my law firm, Blair Cato, has got you covered. And they do. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate all the good advice. Sounds good. Gary, thank you. Have a good weekend. That's all the time we have for our show today. appreciate Tom coming and scaring the living hell out of us about wire fraud. So hopefully everybody was able to get a little value out of this podcast and we can work together to lessen everybody's risk. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Please like us, share us, and subscribe and come back again next week. Most importantly, share this podcast with everybody you know so we can hopefully put an end to some of these wire fraud schemes. Y'all have a great one. Take care.